Hello and welcome to Where Have All the Children Gone? This is a deep dive true crime podcast that looks at the evil that affects our children and may be difficult to listen to. It contains graphic and mature themes which some might find offensive and is not recommended for young children. Unsurrounding surrounding crimes revolve around the perpetrator. I want to make it clear that this podcast has no desire to ever provide any limelight to the perpetrators of these crimes, and I will try to find out and present as much as I can about the victims and their life before their murder. Our focus is to make sure people are made aware of the crime so the victim is never a forgotten person. The contributors to this podcast are Knox News, court trial videos from Law and Crime, trial documents, CBS Knoxville News, Fesnia Studios for the music, and Ulrike May for the podcast picture. I want to thank my loyal listeners and apologize for the long delay in posting the next this podcast. I considered stopping recording, but my listener base started growing. Please tell your friends who are into true crime about my podcast. That being said, my name is Allie, and it's time for crime. And joining us is my friend Alan, who his closest friends call Cowboy, partly because of his Xbox gaming style, but mostly due to his southern gentlemen hello everybody so how you doing today alan doing good how about you i'm doing pretty good we're going to be talking about a young lady by the name of emma walker emma jane walker was born in march of 2000 and lived in knoxville tennessee with her parents not very far from where you live no not at all This 16-year-old was described as a vibrant and warm-hearted person with a beautiful smile. Emma studied at Central High School in Knoxville, and she was a cheerleader there. She wanted to be a neonatal nurse when she grew up and had a soft corner in her heart for animals. By all accounts, a bright future awaited Emma. Now, she'd gone for ice cream with her father that night before, and she asked him to make sure she got up early for her class the next day. But early that morning, on November 21st, 2016, two shots were fired into her bedroom as she slept, one of which hit her in her head, killing her instantly. Now, her dad, Mark Walker, recalled hearing a loud noise the night she died. He stated it sounded like someone was in the house and opened and slammed a door. He told Dateline, Secrets Uncovered, I opened up her door to her bedroom and I stared at her for probably 15, 20 seconds and she was just lying asleep in her bed and I shut the door and went to my son's bedroom and he was in bed asleep. So I thought, I'm hearing things. But around 6 a.m., Emma's mother, Jill, went to wake her daughter for school. However, she got no response. When Jill couldn't feel a pulse, the terrified mother called 911. The initial thought was suicide because the blood on her pillow was mistaken for vomit and they thought she had ingested something. But when the investigators got there, they found evidence that quickly pointed to murder. The authorities found Emma in her bed. An assessment of the room revealed two bullet holes in the bedroom walls. Emma had a gunshot wound behind her left ear with another bullet lodged in the pillow that she laid on. The authorities found 9mm shell casings outside the house and a neighbor reported hearing gunshots at around 2.30. Now, in the course of the investigation... When the police interviewed Emma's loved ones, one name repeatedly came up. William Riley Gall. To give some history, in 2014, when Emma was a freshman in high school, she began dating William Riley Gall. He was 18, a junior and a wide receiver of the school football team. The relationship started out well. But things soon began to change when friends noticed that they argued all the time. They broke up, got back together several times. 
Also, people who knew the couple said that Riley was controlling and possessive. He just wanted her to think that he was all she had. Her mother, Jill, described their relationship as toxic. Jill stated that Riley would try to control what Emma could and couldn't wear. There were times when he waited outside Emma's workplace for hours. According to friends, Riley would send Emma hateful messages as well. At one point saying he would see her name in an obituary. Now I'm going to kind of stop here. You know, this is a perfect example of someone who could murder you. Anytime you get into a relationship where a man is controlling obsessively like this, telling you what you should and shouldn't do, who you should and shouldn't be with, get out of that relationship. That relationship is one where you are going to be abused and you're most likely will end up being murdered. Now, Emma's parents found his behavior alarming and tried to limit how much she talked to Riley. Some articles on the case noted that when Emma was instructed by her parents not to call Gall, Gall provided her with a secret cell phone so her parents wouldn't know they were talking. The police documented multiple cell phones were found in her room. Her parents urged her to break up with him, but the relationship continued. Again, you know, when you're going behind your mom's back and having a secret phone, I mean, sometimes she, parents know what they're talking about. They recognize this is a big red flag. I'd start with the fact that he was 18 and still in 10th grade. I don't know if he had a behavior issue or what, but that could say a lot in itself. I think that being a cheerleader and star on the football team just was something that just was attractive to her like a lot of girls are in school but she didn't look at the behaviors that he was doing the signals that he was sending those red flags and that's unfortunate because girls should be aware of some of these red flags with men that are going to be a trouble in the future that's hard to say though because in fact that a lot of men these days are just that way they threaten women and the woman tries to leave, he becomes very abusive. Well, it's definitely not a relationship I want to be in. Now, during the fall of 2016, Emma was in her junior year while Riley was a freshman at college. Emma's parents grounded her during Halloween, hoping things would change. And they did. After Emma discovered Gall being photographed with other girls, she ended the relationship for good just before Thanksgiving. Good for her. Yes, most definitely. However, she stayed in it for two years. And so that's already caused mixed messages with him. So according to investigators, Gall had gone through a series of attempts to get Walker's attention. Riley did not respond to the breakup too well and he tried to kill himself by ingesting Vicodin with alcohol. Max Siegel, a football player and a fellow student at Maryville College with Gall, said Gall had attempted suicide on the MC campus about two weeks before Emma's death. Siegel and his friends took Gall to the hospital, and Gall returned to campus two or three days later when he said he was in counseling. This was evidently not the first time he used this attempted suicide to keep Emma close. Here again is another red flag that if someone is using something like suicide to try and manipulate you, that's telling you this is not a good relationship. Right. Kind of like the devil's work. Now remember, she was really young. She's only a a junior in, in high school. Here he is, a college freshman. And her friends mentioned that she was scared of him. So, you know, if he, I wouldn't put it past him to be abusive towards having her have relations, would you? No, I wouldn't put it past him at all. And there's statutory rape right there. Now, this guy was kind of a piece of work. Because when his suicide attempts didn't work, two days before her death, while she was at a friend's house... Emma received some alarming messages from an unknown number. The text said that she had to do exactly what she was told, otherwise someone close to her would get hurt. 
She also received a call from Gall stating he had been taken hostage by an unknown perpetrator. Emma's friends testified Gall was screaming and begging for help. Now, eventually she got a message saying Riley was outside, as did a couple of his friends. Emma and a friend found him in a ditch. He claimed the kidnappers had let him go. However, the police were never contacted. Now, it says a lot when even his best friend, Noah Walton, didn't believe that he'd been kidnapped. Of course, Emma's parents didn't believe he'd been kidnapped. Nobody believed he'd been kidnapped. This was just another action that he did that was to manipulate Emma. His actions were to seek attention and to be controlling of the whole, whole situation. Yeah, you know, when a, again, when a guy are playing games like this with you and will do these type of things to manipulate you, again, all these red flags were before her. Now, although Gall would insist later to investigators that he had been kidnapped by two men who threw him in a van, Emma also believed that Gall had been faking the kidnapping. The next morning, Emma was fearful because someone dressed in black clothes repeatedly rang her doorbell and banged on her front door. Although she suspected it might be Riley or he had something to do with it, both the incidents caused her to be fearful and her fear went out. So she texted him because the only person she could think of to reach out to was Riley. And she wrote to him, quote, I hate you, but I need you right now, unquote. And then she FaceTimed him and asked him to come over because she was so scared. Again, games. You know, it's obviously she was scared. So scared that she would reach out to the one person, like she said, she hated. But she didn't know what other guy to reach out to. You know, it's first thing, the first thing you're going to think of is someone that you've, you've been with that at one time was your protector, but now he's the perpetrator. What about the parents? They can protect her better than he could. I understand your thought, Alan. But the thing is, is that she's a teenage girl. And the first thing she's going to think of is a guy that could protect her. And her parents weren't available. I don't remember where they were, but they weren't there at the time. Emma's friends told investigators that Riley actually stalked Emma. Now, the fact that they were teenagers themselves, that's pretty strong verbiage for a teen to say someone is actually stalking someone. Correct. And even the fact that, you know, them being that young and speaking out, that's kind of rare. I agree. Now, back to the investigation. Gall's grandfather had reported his gun as missing prior to Emma's murder. He told the investigators that he believed that his grandson had it because he had switched cars with his grandson to do something, and then when he got the car back, the gun was missing. When investigators questioned Riley Gall, he claimed to have nothing to do with Emma's death and denied taking the gun. Gall told investigators he had only spoken to Emma on the phone that day. He stated, quote, I just told her um, how much I loved her and uh, that I was sorry she didn't want what we had anymore, unquote. He said on an interrogation tape, quote, she said she didn't care about our relationship anymore, unquote. He told investigators he spent the rest of the night in the parking lot of his college dorm 25 miles away crying over the breakup. The next morning, she was dead. Now, I can understand this young man crying over a relationship that he felt was a good relationship. But I don't see him sitting in the parking lot at his college. It was cold, I believe, during that time. Uh, sitting in his car crying during that time. So this is, I'm sure the investigators felt that his Alibi, alibi was, was pretty hinky. Yeah, pretty hinky alibi. 
When the news of her death spread, Gall was quick to memorialize his ex-girlfriend on Facebook. He wrote, quote, That's my beautiful Emma. Rest easy now, sweetheart. Unquote. He also wrote, quote, Living every day through Emma Walker. I love you, beautiful, and I know you're in a better place now. Unquote. Words of psychotic. Yeah, I'd say it. It's like, you know, it's almost prepared ahead of time. Now, two of Roddy's friends, they were his best friends, Alex and Noah, notified investigators that Riley had told them that he had stolen his grandfather's gun, a 9mm firearm, because he stated he feared someone was after Emma and him. Another friend also told police that Riley had asked him how he could remove fingerprints from a gun. The authorities increasingly began to suspect Emma's ex-boyfriend as the perpetrator. Yeah, it's pretty much lining up everything that's that's going on here. I mean, he's... Criminalizing himself. Yes, he is. He's setting everything up. Now, Alex, and this is one thing that was cool. Alex and Noah later worked with the police, and while wearing a wire, they got Riley on a videotape asking them to help dispose of the gun. I mean, he's like, oh, you know, you're my best friends, and you just can't say anything about this, but I really, really need your help. Yada, yada, yada. You know. Sounds like your friends feared him, so they really stood up for the right reason. Yeah, they stood up. They, They turned him down. And after that point, the police had surveillance on his home, and as Riley tried to dump the gun in a river, the authorities arrested him. Now, there's some good police work. Yeah. Inside the trash bag that Riley was carrying when he was arrested, they found the murder weapon, some black clothing, gloves, and some other things. After receiving a video of the man dressed in black and an anonymous tip, the authorities believe Riley was that mysterious man at Emma's door before her death. I mean, he's, again, more incriminating stuff. Now, yes, he could own some black clothing, and he could have just happened to have that, but to have the gun there... with Too much of a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, he's got... There was blood evidence found there was the gloves there was the gun which matched the bullets that that killed emma so um but we'll get into that during the court case this well let's is- say he was the murderer what about the car he drove up if he say he did shot her where was that car what model was that car did it have a chip to show where he traveled to we're gonna find out now this is gonna be a little bit longer for y'all but I thought you'd want to have the whole case. Now, Gall was initially held on a $750,000 bond. But get this. He was released out on bond during the trial. So he was a free man this whole time, which was really hard for the parents because it was a smaller town and he was there for things that had to do with her. Now, at the trial, in their opening argument, the prosecutor gave jurors five reasons they believed Gall was guilty of murder and attempt to kill. He had motive. She dumped him. Placement. Proximity. Repetition. And shot trajectory. And I'll go over those in just a minute. In opposition, the defense admitted that, yes, Gall had pulled the trigger of the gun. And he had stolen his grandfather's gun, but argued that Gall did not intend to harm Walker. He only meant to scare Emma and not kill her. I remember seeing a piece of the trial where the defense attorney was trying to say, oh, you know, he didn't know that the bullet would go through the wall. And he didn't know how to handle guns. I don't think that that, that that works. Do you? No, because if the grandfather has guns laying around, I'm pretty sure he had a good, close relationship to his grandfather. I'm pretty sure the grandfather done what most grandfathers like to do, teach their kids, grandkids, how to shoot guns. Yeah, I agree. And anybody with any half a brain knows that a bullet is going to, even if it is guaranteed, there's a high chance it'll go through a wall. 
So that it was a very again. Here's more hinky stuff. Right now, during the prosecution, the major major arguments for the prosecution were, like I said, motive. Gall had stated, "quote She was cruel to me. She broke it off with me. It was different this time. She was not going to speak to me that way. She was not going to leave me." Whoo, boy! If that isn't... <laughs> That's the famous words of a lot of people in prison. Yep, not going to leave me. If I can't have her, nobody can. Opportunity. He had 25 miles to think about it and change his mind, but he didn't. His cell phone records showed he was at the home. So there's what you're asking. Not necessarily the car, but cell phone records are getting much more... Uh, pinpointed to exactly where a car was. Your FYID, your find my car, find my phone. Exactly. Now, placement. The shot placement showed an attempt to kill. They weren't just shot wildly. He didn't shoot through the window, didn't shoot through towards the ceiling. He shot directly where he knew her head would be in a room he'd been in many times before. I was going to say that, you know, he kept saying that he didn't expect to hit her. He was going to scare her, but you knew where she lays at, you know. Yeah, he stood there right at the wall. He didn't even, like, shoot from a distance. He's right at the wall shooting this gun by the plate, and they're judging this by the placement of the shell casings, um, the two sets of, of, of shell casing, and showed that he was intended to make, get as close as he could to make those bullets go through. Now, again, as I said, the proximity, the shell casing would go back and to the right. And he was up close to the wall, like I said a minute ago, to make sure that bullet would penetrate. He knew from his gaming and common sense that it would penetrate that wall. Anybody would know you're right up against the wall. It's going to go through. And again, he put it right where he knew her head was. There was no, there was no, oh, let me shoot it above and shoot it to scare her. No, he purposely was right there where, where she slept. That's definitely an intent to kill for a simple fact that you put a gun against a wall, no matter what kind of bullet it is, it's going to go through. Yeah. Unless it's concrete, but still. You know, it sounded like you were trying to muffle the gun, that way he wouldn't be detected, but you're still going to hear it. Yeah, and then the other thing was repetition. His firing into her room twice showed that he intended to kill her. He wasn't just trying to scare her. He had to rack the slide to shoot that second time. He could have shot any other place to achieve what he wanted to, to quote-unquote scare her. But he shot directly where he knew her head would be. And then trajectory. He shows the jury the bullet trajectory and states you don't have that type of trajectory without the intent to kill. There was evidence and witnesses who said that Emma received many compromising messages prior to her murder that had made Emma sick, is what they said. These messages were likely from Riley. Gall told the investigators he was nowhere near Emma's home, but testimony from an AT&T representative provided records that showed Gall was near Emma's home at the time of the shooting. A Knox County Sheriff's investigator stated cell phone tower usage data indicated that Gall had traveled from Maryville to Knoxville and back that night and that Gall was in Knoxville from 12.29 a.m. until 3.45 a.m. on November 21st. Investigators said Gall made calls to both his mother and a friend leading up to Walker's death. You know, they always do this stupid thing. They always call their mom, or they call their friend while they're waiting to kill somebody because the time's not right. They're going to make sure that they're asleep. So, you know, here again, some of these kids that I report on are really slick and smart this guy has got to be the dumbest idiot you know he's he's making mistake after mistake if you're going to try to get away from this murder again you think i did he's a junior he was 18 in 10th grade that shows some kind of developmental issue could be or you know there could be a lot of different things 
But I tell you, being that he was in college and she was still a junior, that, that shows you that there was a definite age difference that should have been looked at. And I believe this is why her mother and father were trying to break that relationship. Now, Jill's mother took the stand and talked about the relationship that they had. A neighbor testified that they heard a gunshot that morning. Knox News reported that the jury heard that after Gall fired two shots into her bedroom wall at the area where she was sleeping, he then went back to his dorm at the Maryville College and fell asleep. What a sick fuck. Yeah. Here he kills his... I mean, she's beautiful. I'll be, I'll be putting the picture up um, on my Facebook. She's a beautiful young girl. And he shoots her and then sleeps like a baby. I mean, I, that's sick. My thing is, why are they still investigating? If they truly want to investigate it, shouldn't they take the 9mm, shoot it, compare the bullets, and line up the bullets to see if they match? Because if it's the same gun, you have the perpetrator, you have the killer. Right, and they did do that. I'm just discussing some of the things that went on in court. Ah. So you get an idea of kind of the methodical case that these investigators put together. Now, remember, he said that he was at college that whole time, right? He came back. He was crying in my car, and then I went to bed. Uh, the fact he knew he was exactly 25 miles from our house says something. Yeah. His roommate, Andrew Walker Stanley, testified that he'd been losing weight and was in a bad place in his life after Emma broke up with him. On the morning of the shooting, the roommate and his brother testified that he went to bed at 2 a.m., but Riley had not come back to the dorm until 4.45 a.m. He knew the time exactly because when, the, when he came there woken up because his brother was visiting and he had an inflatable mattress and his brother was blocking the door. So when Riley came in, probably was trying to sneak in, here he smacked the mattress, woke the kid up, Woke his brother, the kid's brother up, so he didn't make a very good entrance either. So here's exactly a timestamp of when he's home, when he told the officers that he had he had gone home earlier. Now, Gall had used Walker Stanley's phone to call Emma. He told Max his mother had taken his phone. He calls Emma and harasses her. This was a last phone call. Emma got before she died. I'm surprised she could sleep. I'm surprised she just... I guess she decided, oh, he's just being a jerk again. He's doing his thing. You know, I, I'm just going to ignore it. She was used to it. Yeah, so it makes you wonder just how much he terrorized her during that relationship. Now, Gall's grandfather had to take the stand. And I'm sure he didn't like the fact that he had to take the stand providing evidence that is against his grandson. But he he testified that he kept his gun either in a dresser or under the seat of his car, always holstered. He testified that he had swapped cars, like I had said before, with his grandson to get tires on his grandson's car. You know, what an awesome grandfather. Here he's doing a really good deed for him. And this dick takes his gun and, and shoots his girlfriend with it. And he could have left his grandfather holding the bag. I mean, this kid doesn't think about anybody but himself. When he got back into his car, he told the jury he felt under the seat and found the holster was empty. He said when he asked Gall about the missing gun, he denied knowing anything about it. He then reported the gun stolen. Having never fired the gun before, it had gone missing. He had his daughter, Riley Gall's mother, search Gall's dorm room to look for the gun. So obviously, Grandpa's like, oh, better get that gun. I don't know what Grandpa was going to do with it if he found it. But he felt so strong that his grandson had used his gun to murder his girlfriend, Riley's girlfriend, that he sent... Riley's mother to the dorm room to, to snoop around and look for the gun. Now, Gall's best friend since grade school, Isaac Ewers, 
took the stand, recounting along with friends Alex McCarty and Noah Walton a bizarre incident on that Friday night in which they received a call from Gall who stated he'd been hit over the head and kidnapped and did not know where he'd been taken. Now, his friends might have been concerned at that point when they received the call, except for the fact that 10 minutes later, the Gaul had allegedly showed up where his friends had been and said he had been hit over the head and could not remember any events of the night. How did he get away? Uh, sounds pretty mysterious. I mean, you're hit over the head, you're knocked out. I mean, the timeline just doesn't work with the timeline that he's giving. He doesn't have any marks on him. He's says he calls his girlfriend and says they're going to kill him. You got to do exactly what they they said to do. That he's been kidnapped and he doesn't know where he is. And they and he Sounds throws like a lot a lot like himself, like him and his little ex girlfriend. You know, him telling her to do exactly what he said to do and being controlling. It sounded like he was playing his own game that he played on her with himself. Yeah, it just shows how immature he was that he wouldn't think through the fact that, okay, if I saw, if you told me that you'd been kidnapped, I'd be looking for wounds. If you told me you were hit over the head, you'd have to have at least a bump if it knocked you out. Right. I mean, I'd be looking for these type of things that fit this scenario. And for goodness sakes, I'd wait a heck of a lot longer than 10 minutes if I was the one doing this prank because... That's not anywhere near enough time than to be, to show up where you said you were kidnapped. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's based on if you were knocked out, a lot of people who get hit back ahead or knocked out are down for way longer than 10 minutes. Yeah, it just does, again, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense, which is why it was obvious that he was a perpetrator to the police. Now, it was not only obvious to the police, it was also obvious to his friends. That's when Ewer said he knew where Gall's behavior was heading. Ewers told the jury he believed Gall had a potential to act violently towards himself and others after, he, after this alleged kidnapping. However, Gall had told his friends, Alex McCarty, about being in possession of a gun. McCarty told the jury Thursday that following Thursday, that he had relayed that information to Isaac Ewers. Ewers had said that Gall had asked him to visit him in the days after Emma's death, but Ewers declined. When asked why, Ewers told the jury, because I knew that he had a hand in what had happened. Now, these guys have been kids since second grade, so obviously he knows him. Maybe they grew a little bit apart in high school. I don't know. But they still were his best friends because when he knew he was in trouble, they, he called them, expecting them to just pony up and do what he said and back him up. And so I really have to give credit to these two friends that not only were willing to testify against him, but also t wear wire and videotape him. So, I mean, they really are much more upstanding uh, men than... Gall was. Do we have any information on how his relationship with his parents were? There wasn't much in there about his relationship with his parents. That's right. I, you know, I, I was going to get to that in mitigating circumstances, but, you know, there was no, they beat me, or I was abused, or, you know, I was psychologically impacted. There was no evidence that he had been treated poorly at all. And his grandfather was very tight with him, and they spent a lot of time together. And he was a very upstanding citizen of this city. So this guy's just twisted. This is where you go nurture versus nature. And as much as I believe most of things are nurtured, this guy might be nature. Because there doesn't seem to be a reason why he was such a, a sick puppy and thought to do this. Um... When Ewer said he that Gall had out reached out to confront him about a favor he had, and the the prosecution asked him, "Well, what was Riley trying to get you to do?" Ewer's answered to get rid of everything that he had, including the weapon. That's a big ask, 
you know? Obviously, your friends are now, oh, shit, he killed her. Yeah, that's a big persecution. So, I mean, to help him get rid of the evidence not only could put them in jail, which I'm sure they considered, being that they were high school uh, seniors or maybe college uh, freshmen, but also, I mean, just the ethical part of it, you know, to find out your best friend that you thought you knew, you were afraid they were going to go that way, but you were hoping they don't. It's too bad yours didn't speak up sooner to family or friends, but, you know, again, he's still kind of a kid, too, so it's just a very unfortunate situation. I'm thinking back the idea that the grandfather told the mother to go look inside his dorm room for the gun. What does that tell you? It tells you that they knew he did it, or they were afraid he did it. Or he's been, he's done crazy things like this before, and they've had a cover for him. Could be. You know, a lot of families will cover for that one and only son that they have. Uh, the jury heard and saw a tape made by Ewers in cooperation with the police on which they heard Gall asking his friends to get rid of the evidence. He also lies to them that they couldn't get into trouble for helping him. Oh my God, they, they could be charged even with the murder after the fact. I mean, it depends on how hard that prosecutor wants to go. But, you know, getting rid of evidence, that's a biggie. And they're going to jail for many years. Tampering for evidence. Yep, tampering evidence. They're going to go to jail. They were smart. They went to the police instead. Now, as far as forensic evidence, the forensic technicians from the Knox County Sheriff's Office and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation took the stand, identifying photographs of Gall's vehicle and items within it. The prosecution called Kendall Stoner with TBI, Stoner examined the blood from Emma Walker and a handgun taken from what investigators referred to as the crime scene. Stoner also analyzed the shoes, gloves, black sweatpants, and a black sweatshirt taken from the Hyundai Tucson that Gall was in when he was arrested by authorities. The outfit matched the man who, in black that was terrorizing Emma. Of those items, Stoner said DNA was found on the gun was deemed inconclusive, while DNA taken from a shoe and a sweatshirt matched Gall's DNA. The jury were also shown pictures and videos of Emma Walker's bedroom, the scene where she was shot and killed. Some pictures and portions of a video were kept from the jury, and the judge analyzed 3D imaging from the crime scene while the jury was out of the courtroom. They wanted to make sure there wasn't anything in there that could possibly prejudice uh, the jury, but the judge would, would see that 3D imaging, which would give them an even better perspective. Now, we would expect the DNA to be there. And I'm wondering if he got his uh, hand caught, the, the area between the thumb and, and forefinger caught in that top when he ratcheted it back. I don't know if you've ever done that, but anybody, when they first start shooting guns, you get you get that webbing right there caught, and that hurts like a mother. And yep. that's probably why he was bleeding. I wonder what kind of 9mm it was, because if it's a 9mm like I've seen, you know, when you shoot it, you can just keep shooting it. It keeps reloading. Yeah, I don't know why they said specifically that it had to be wrecked, because, yes, I thought of that, too. Because mine are all semi-automatic. And so I would expect, you know, he could have just shot the two shots off. But for some reason, they said that he had to ratchet it back, and I don't know why. It wasn't a, it wasn't a um, I don't believe it was a revolver. They didn't call it a revolver. But um, that's a possibility where he'd have to pull back the, the, the yeah. pocket, you know. But Dr. Christopher Lockmuller. He was the chief De deputy medical examiner of Knox County, took the stand in the prosecution's case, and Lockmuller, who has performed the autopsy on Walker, stated that Walker could have died within minutes or within hours. Oh my gosh. To die within minutes or possibly hours of being shot in, in her bed. I think she died within minutes because if it had been hours, she probably would have been roaming around, then again, her dad might have heard that. That's possible, or she but she... she could have been shot, went unconscious upon being shot. And then so bled. Like she was asleep. 
Now, there wasn't a lot of, doesn't seem to be like a massive amount of blood, so the it wasn't the injury, with it, it, but when it hits it, where she was shot, um, it says she was not conscious after being shot. So you're right, right there. See, you guessed it. And the bullet did not enter her brainstem, meaning her death was not instant. So went into the brain area. So he, that's why he said the bullet could have taken seconds or minutes or hours to kill her. What a! Ho I, ho I hope it was seconds. I hope that it poor was girl. I mean, she was. But be unconscious, she won't feel the pain. Yeah, I mean, I just hope that the death wasn't as painful as it sounds. Lockmeyer confirmed that homic that homicide was the cause of death, with a gunshot wound to the head. Now remember, he there's two shots. One was right into the head, and the other one landed in her pillow right and was stopped. Uh, but right, it would have hit her in the head. Yeah. So it just happened not to probably because her position changed after he did the first shot. Or he got nervous and his hand moved. That could be too. The Knox County Major Crimes Investigator Alan Merritt also took the stand and said that Gall first became a suspect in the case after Merrick spoke with the Walker family. Merritt said the gun was shot from outside the house and the entry hole was in direct line with where her head would be on her pillow. I mean, that's pretty specific. Yeah. I mean, who would know? Maybe she slept the other direction. But he knew because he'd been in her room so much. Investigators found one spent shell casing in the yard and Merritt said the shooter would have been four or five feet from the house when the gun was fired. A live round and second spent casing were also found in the yard behind a shot that was found in the end wall of Walker's house. According to the Knox News, authorities said Gall stole his grandfather's gun. Here it is. It's a 9mm Glock. So there's, why would they say that it had to be... I don't know. How, why would they say it needed to be cocked? It was a 9mm Glock and they fired the two shots into Walker's home. So they matched the Glock to the shots. He reminded the jury that the grandfather had sent his daughter, like you mentioned again, to look for the gun in the dorm room for no other reason than he suspected his grandson had taken it. Now, prosecutors also brought forth evidence that Gall was familiar enough with Walker's home to know precisely where to aim to inflict the most damage on Walker. I mean, he didn't shoot her in the leg. He didn't shoot her in the arm. He shot her in the head. That's intent to kill. He knew precisely where to aim to inflict that damage on Walker, who died of the gunshot wound to the left side of her head. After the crime was committed, he also asked his friends, Alex McCarty and Noah Walton, to help him dispose of the evidence. The gun, the man, then the black costume, etc., Unbeknownst to Gall, McCarty and Walton had spoken to the authorities about their suspicions and helped them arrest the college football player. Again, I got to give kudos to Alex McCarty and Noah Walton that they were upstanding. That they, even though this was their best friend, they were friends with her too, you know. And you don't have a girlfriend for t over two years and then not have your best friends get to know her. And the fact that they know you killed her. That's a big thing for them to have to deal with. The defense's arguments claim that Gall did not intend to harm his former girlfriend. Although his behavior was quote-unquote bizarre and he displayed reckless conduct in the days leading up to her death. His grandfather was concerned he would harm himself with the gun when he found it missing. He's saying that he that the grandfather never thought that he would would harm her. He mentions the multiple suicide attempts and reminds the jury that his roommate, Max Siegel, stated in response to the defense's questions that he only believed Gall to be a harm to himself and not others. The court was shown a video of Gall and the detectives. In the video, Gall said he was logged into his Maryville College account on his grandparents' laptop, so he could not log in to his laptop at the dorm. For this reason, Gall said he went to Knoxville to use his grandmother's laptop. However, Maryville College 
security chief testified that students could log into multiple devices at once. The video also included Gall telling detectives he did not want to talk about an alleged kidnapping, that it had happened only days before Walker's death. And in the video, Gall discussed the missing gun, admitting they had taken it and he had asked his friend Noah Walton about how to get fingerprints off a gun. He said he was asking that question for his roommate. <laughs> God, I can't believe this kid. In the video, Gall denied having or showing his grandfather's gun to his fr friend Alex McCarty. And again, here's with a video that they took of him asking them to get rid of the gun was so important. In closing arguments, the state described Gall's behavior as obsessive with Walker. Prosecutors said Gall intended to kill his ex-girlfriend in anger over the end of their two-year relationship. Quote, Emma's parents are crushed with the loss of a spirit that was like the sunshine to them. She was strong-willed. She was sassy. She was even sarcastic sometimes, but she was their light. They're blessed they got to spend 16 years with her. Assistant District Attorney Kevin Allen spoke, pointed out the alleged holes in Gall's alibi that evening. He is accused of killing Walker. He was possessive. He was manipulative. He was controlling. He was toxic to her. And he couldn't even keep his alibi straight. He lied a lot, yes. He lied, yes. And why lie when somebody could counter it? I mean, if I've said something to, a, to someone that I felt might be intimidated or might be honest, I'm not, you know, not going to lie about it. Right. It's stupid. He might have told his friend to get rid of the evidence because his friend had already touched the gun, so he could try to put it on him. Yeah, I really think he was going to try to put it on, on someone else. Obviously, he was when it, he's, everything is blamed on someone else. It, it's just, it's just unbelievable. He lays out, Riley went through, like, faking his phone number to tell friends he had been kidnapped. He had all these cloned phones. But he calls them 10 minutes later saying, I've escaped. When he actually faked the kidnapping and was actually driving around in his car, hoping to provide suspects for after the murder. Here again, he was going to put it on his friends. That, or that man in black, it was him. He's the one that shot her. He terrorized her. Little did he know that there was a video that showed a man in black that met his, his height, weight, walking pattern, everything that would indicate... That it was him, not some fictitious person. Another lie Gall concocted. The kidnapping scheme where he stalked her neighborhood, banged on her door, in another attempt to fabricate potential suspects once he eventually killed Walker. He just terrorized this girl. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's premeditation for sure. Setting up all these alibi witnesses that could take the fall. Well, he says, oh, I wasn't there. I didn't do it. He lies about stealing the gun. He even went as far as lying to his family. He called his mother on the way home to find out if his grandpa found his gun, trying to throw them off. Again, stupid, stupid behavior here. He just keeps digging that hole deeper and deeper. A WVLT news reporter, Donovan Long, observed Gall sitting with his head bowed as Allen said, everything started to a whirlwind as soon as he, Gall, got the gun in his hands. His plan was to get away with this. And I agree. He thinks that he's so smart he's going to outsmart the police, his friends, his family. The prosecution also identified Gall's cell phone data as one of the main sources of evidence in their argument. What foils him is his cell phone. His cell phone data was being collected 
from all the cell towers. This gave investigators an indication as to where Gall was the night he murdered Emma and negates his alibi that night, prosecutors said, showed that he was in Knoxville at 3.45 a.m., not in his dorm, like he said. The defense took their swing at closing arguments. He reminded the jury that although they may feel sympathy towards the one party or the other, Lady Justice is blindfolded, and that sympathy cannot be regarded. Their verdict must be on the truth. Oh boy, that's probably going to come back to bite them. Let's see. Fighting that Gall did not intend to kill Walker and should be convicted of a lesser charge of reckless homicide. He gave a rebuttal to the cell phone map because he stated the state expected his teenage client to not plead guilty to reckless conduct, but he did the right thing and he pled guilty. He reminds the jury of the definition of beyond a reasonable doubt. He then gave the definitions of different charges and supplemented each with why it should or shouldn't be applied to this client. I don't know about you, but I think I'd be snoozing about now. I mean, this all goes in closing from the judge. It's not appropriate from the, from the attorney. The defense argued this case is about state of mind, according to Stone. Gall's grandfather, Jim Walker, knew Gall was having a tremendous emotional crisis. The defense debated about the difference between first and second degree murder and premeditated murder versus voluntary manslaughter. He tried to attack premeditation, stating that, how do we know the second shot wasn't fired from the side yard? Oh, come on. Obviously, this, the way they measured it all out tells you it wasn't shot from there. Right. Quote, you have to assume that my client intended to kill her by him knowing the number of pillows she'll be lying on. And you have to assume where her head was, Stone said. You'd have to assume he knew that. Well, he did know it. He knew how many pillows. He knew exactly because he knew her. And he knew where that pillow would be. And he shot at an angle to make sure that if he was wrong, off by an inch or so, it was still going to kill her. Right. He attacked the identifying of Gaul as the man in black. No one could say I recognized him or I recognized his gait. A letter from Gall to Walker was introduced by the defense. It had been found by the police during a search of Gall's car. It stated, quote, If I could go back in time before we met, I'd look for you to find you sooner so I could love you longer. I love you so much. I hope you're going to stay with me forever. I need you, Em. I love you. Signed, Riley. He also wrote, I love you so much that I can't let this strong relationship I have with you go. He brought out Emma still had a picture of the two of them on the bedside table. He presented a picture of his client up on the wall and stated he was her hero. Jurors were asked by the defense to find Gall guilty of reckless endangerment in about in count five, reckless homicide, theft of property in count three, and tampering with evidence in count four. Stone said Gall fired the shots in a misguided attempt to be Walker's hero again. Gall thought scaring her would encourage her to reach out and jump into his arms and rekindle their relationship. To be somebody's hero, to rescue somebody, you have to have contact. And the way, and only way you can have contact is to get their attention. When Riley Gall fired that shot in the backyard, as crazy as it is, as bizarre as it is, he was hoping he would come to her rescue. More like be a Freddy Krueger. I'm about ready to throw up. <laughs> he was attempting to get her to ask him for help again. Sort of be her protector. It's been in his heart. It's been in his mind. It's been in just everything about him. Every day for the rest of his life. Wherever that may be. He will have to live with that reality. Sounds more like a Jason to me. I'll tell you. He says there were no screams. No lights came on. If there was, he wouldn't have fired the second shot. 
Give me a break. I don't think there was much time between the shots. No. It's more or less bang, bang, and walked away. And we're, how's she going to reach the light? You know, you know, she was out. Her lights were out Damn. on that first shot. The defense rested their closing arguments a little afternoon. Wow, that would have been a long time to listen. But he kept showing that picture of Gall and Walker together in better times. And he stated as he walked away, this photograph on the wall represents a time when he, Gall, was her Emma's hero. In their rebuttal, prosecutors say Gall knew exactly where Walker slept and where her head would be the night he allegedly murdered her. The defense attorney kept telling you he had a teenage client to gain the very sympathy he told you not to have for Walker. Justice is not blind if you're trying to get sympathy for your client saying, oh, he just has a state of mind and, and he's a, he was a teenager when he did it. Sounded like a Harley Quinn and Joker moment. I tell you. The defense tried to tell you he didn't know how to shoot a gun. Gall knew how to sh- use a gun and pled guilty to shooting that gun. Hello, defense attorney. Open. The fact that Gall knew her bedroom so well, he had been there many times. He knew he was shooting into an occupied building. The second shot would have hit her too if it hadn't lost velocity. This shooting was calculated. It was targeted. When the defense stated Gall identified himself as Emma's boyfriend, he correlated it to a stalker. I'm going to love you, Emma, if you want me or not. Once the prosecutors wrapped up their rebuttal, the judge presented instructions and sent the jury to deliberation. I bet you his instructions were a lot shorter than the defense's. I I think the defense was just ad nauseum trying to confuse the jury on what the charges could or should be um, instead of just letting the judge give him those instructions. I'm pretty sure that judge had a perfect good mind in that first two hours of what was what he was going to send that yeah. man to. Jenny Weldon, Walker's aunt, told the Knoxville News Sentinel two days after the killing that the girl had ended a romantic relationship with Gall in recent weeks, but he refused to accept the breakup. She, quote, she had chosen to move on. He refused to accept it. He chose not to accept her wishes, unquote. It took the eight-man, four-woman jury to deliberate only four hours before reaching its verdict. The 19-year-old was immediately given a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole for 51 years. Audible gas could be heard from the gallery when the jury foreman pronounced him guilty. Gall, who had been out on bond, was taken into custody, and relatives and friends of the former high school cheerleader later embraced outside the courtroom. The jury, although they found Gall guilty of first-degree murder, he was not found guilty of the especially aggregated stalking but guilty, just guilty of stalking, guilty of theft, guilty of tampering with evidence, guilty of reckless endangerment, but not guilty of employing a firearm during a dangerous felony, but guilty of a possession of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, and guilty of felony murder. What about the statutory rape? She was underage. Well, it's pretty hard to... With her not there to prove that, unless she was pregnant, which from all accounts, she wasn't. Right. Every person in here, she touched their lives, and they'll never be the same because of him and his selfishness, his lies, his possessiveness, his manipulation, and his obsessiveness of Evan Walker. At his sentencing, Gall toward Walker's family, I'm sorry I took Emma away from you. I love Emma. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her or what I did. He will be 71 years old before he can be paroled. Sentencing on the non-murder convictions was scheduled for a later date. However, no additional years were added to his sentence because his additional sentence 
was assigned to run consecutively with his murder conviction. Man, I would have run a concurrent. Eh, he would be there for life anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, unless they find some loophole. Now, in 2021, Riley sought an acquittal on the murder charge. He applied for a new trial, but it was denied for lack of evidence. Riley's attorney will likely reopen the preliminaries, but unless a suitable case of evidence is presented, a retrial is very unlikely. Now, you have to remember, any appeal must show one of two things. Either the lower court, meaning the initial court, erred in something that they did, or new evidence was discovered that could not have been discovered at the time of the trial. So it doesn't make any difference if you found something that was new, if it could it have been... Because everything it, that was linked up showed that yeah. he lied about all of it. I, I agree. But, I, but some, every once in a while, there's something new. Let's say DNA. Right. DNA wasn't available till the late 80s. Even then, you know, 90s is about where it really started right. working. If someone used DNA and DNA testing wasn't available in the way it is now, then then that could be presented in for a new trial if, if it gets them out. Now... Gall is serving his sentence in the Northwest Correctional Complex, a state prison in Lake County, Tennessee, according to public records. Her family celebrated what would have been Emma's 21st birthday by asking the public to celebrate by honoring her by doing something nice for someone else and by wearing her favorite color that was purple. They also provided the public with the local crisis hotline number and encouraged anyone who is in a similar situation to call. And that's just not his situation. It would have been her situation. That is a crisis situation. Being when you feel like you're all boxed up and you can't do anything, you can't get out. Also, a scholarship was set up for those seeking a career in healthcare. They gave an average of $2,000 per scholarship to the recipients. And I think this is really cool because $2,000 when you're trying to be a nurse or something like that, it helps. It gets that prerequisite stuff going and you know if you want to be there. In 2017, the recipients were Brianna Bench and Haley Langley. In 2018, the recipients were Kristen Walker, Kaylee Henrick, Jared Hensley, Amaya Horton. 2019 recipients were Devonsha Barrett, Haley Green. 2020 recipients were Taylor Ackerman and Elizabeth Phillips. 2021 recipients were Jordan Ballinger and Lila Cameron. In 2022, the recipients were Olivia Sharp, Grace Cook, and Sarah Lawrence. According to the memorial, it said Sarah plans to major in neuroscience and to become a neurosurgeon. You go, Sarah. Olivia plans a major in nursing and to become a pediatric nurse. You go, Olivia. And Grace plans on majoring in occupational therapy and becoming an occupational therapist. We definitely need more of those. If you or anyone you know, or any businesses or any healthcare professional that you know that would like to donate to this worthy scholarship, you can have them send a donation to Attention Emma Walker Memorial Scholarship. Central High School, 5321 Jacksboro, Pike, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37918. I will post this in the notes uh, for this podcast. 100% of the donations go towards the scholarship and are placed in a restricted account at the school. Any inquiries can be made to the attention of Chris Hammond. Donations are accepted at any time and may be mailed via check made out to Central High School with Emma Walker Scholarship written in the memo. Please consider helping us keep her memory and her legacy alive while helping future healthcare professionals with their college expenses. You never know, that nurse or doctor, you might have helped get through college. The one that you needed, you also helped. Emma Walker, you will not be forgotten. Thank you for listening to Where Have All the Children Gone? 
Please hit the follow button wherever you listen so you'll know when the next episode drops. For any questions and comments or suggestions, please email me at truecrimechildren at gmail.com. That's truecrimechildren, all one word, no spaces, at gmail.com. I'm hoping to have a Patreon account set up soon to help pay for the expenses and get better equipment so the sound quality is better. Let me know of what you think of having Alan here and if having him interject was helpful. Remember, these perpetrators are everywhere. So no matter what the age, please keep your children safe. Until next time, this is Allie. This is Alan. Signing off for Where Have All the Children Gone? And we wish you a a Happy happy New New Year. Year.